welcome to the Merrycast, the show that puts you on the fast track to business confidence. I've been in business for 10 years and I found that my success has come as much through the confidence I've gained over time as through any skills or talent that I ever had. The people I interview have either given me that confidence directly or inspired me in other ways. I'm thrilled to have Paul Cork in this week's Merrycast. He is founder of Leadership Innovators. I met Paul some years ago and I can safely say that I don't think I've met anyone with as positive a mindset as Paul. He is always telling everyone who he comes across to keep smiling. He places a high value on living each and every day. But we all say that sort of thing, but Paul really lives it. And there is a reason why. Most of you will know of the Hillsborough disaster, in which 97 Liverpool fans lost their lives. As an 18-year-old, Paul was there that day and narrowly cheated death himself. And you will hear in this interview how it played a massive part in his business and personal life thereafter. I started, though, by asking Paul to tell me a little bit about himself and how Hillsborough and other big experiences had shaped him. I guess firstly, just to explain what I do, I'm, I'm an author, a speaker, and I own my own leadership consultancy. So I specialise in leadership development and organisational effectiveness. I mean, the things that have, have really shaped me, I mean, I've had some significant experiences, which, which I guess we all have, whether it's the significance is the one I'm going to tell you in a moment. Um, but the, then just some of the career um, experiences that we all have, that we learn from, we build them and we grow. Um, for me, though, it goes back to, you know, b- b- being young and, and playing a lot of sports and, and always having an understanding that mindset was really key when it came to being successful at sports. You know, the, the most games that you play, whether it be football, tennis, golf, there's a massive aspect of mindset to playing any kind of sport. So, you know, when I was young, I did sort of do quite a bit of reading and then I had what is quite a profound and significant experience, quite a traumatic experience at the age of 18 um, when I was at the Hillsborough football disaster. Um, okay. And as you know, now, the, you know, the up-to-date number is 97 Liverpool fans lost their life on, on that day back on April 15th, 1989. Um, I was 18. I, I went to the match looking forward to the game. We'd been there the year before. I'd been there the year before, played Nottingham Forest again. Um, and, you know, very sadly, you know, the quick turn of events was that there was a crush at the front of the, the pen. Well, it was the whole pen, really. Um, and we found that outside. So going into the game, there was a severe crush building up outside of the game. Um, by the time I got in, I was very, very fortunate that when we walked down the tunnel, um, and more people actually died in the tunnel at the front fences, believe it or not. But mm. When we walked down the tunnel, we couldn't get in. And within a minute of walking back out of that tunnel and walking around to the other side, to, to the other side of the pen, um, the gates had actually been opened and all the Liverpool fans then came rushing in, obviously, as you would do. You, want to, you don't want to miss the match. And then dashed down that tunnel. And within you know what I call a couple of minutes is that if I'd have been there, I don't think I would have been here today. Um, what, what followed, you know, you, you know the story about Hillsborough. So the aftermath of that, for me, as an 18-year-old boy, I was in shock. Um, it was a traumatic experience. I couldn't watch it. I couldn't actually watch it for 10 years after it. Um, and where I actually got to quite quickly being a positive frame of mind when I was young was that a real appreciation that I was alive and the, you know, those 97 supporters, you know, that they, they never got that, that chance for life that, that I've been given. So I've been fortunate to think of life as a gift. And then yeah. every day that I wake up, even to this day, even waking up this morning, I always think I'm lucky to be here, you know, because it was that it really was that close. So I do think from a, a career defining moments, 
in shaping my mindset. That was that was one of the things that you know, to have a positive mindset, to be optimistic in life, because you know what, there's a lot of things that can happen in your life that really aren't that bad on the scale of it. Um, was, and we're, we're, yeah, was, no, I was going to say, Paul, was there a moment where you, in terms of your mindset, though, that you could have gone either way? Because, you know, it's it's difficult to comprehend how awful that situation must have been. I mean, we all have heard about it and some of us have seen it and, um but there, was there a sort of crossroads moment for you where actually you probably didn't feel positive, but you maybe in, in the time that happened in the weeks and months that followed, you suddenly thought, well, I've got this gift of life now and, and, uh, and so on. Was there a sort of a moment where you had to process it, though? Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it, it did take time. You know, I can remember being in, I got invited to, um, and it, it, was, it was through my auntie who knew certain people, we ended up in the cathedral the next day where, you know, there was, there was a big um, sort of process. And I remember being there and being this just this complete days the next day. And there was Liverpool players there and it, it was just, oh. And you go, it then took weeks of just walking around in shock. And it, it, it's literally true when we talk about Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and those stages of grief and loss. That, that yeah. was exactly true. It, you, you go through that and you do get to a stage where you hit a level of resistance, but... I've got to be truthful because the grief was so great because the loss was so great. And I think if, if you're human and human by nature is that you could feel the way that everybody else was feeling. You could feel the way, you, you know, one, one of my cousins was a doctor and he was at the game and he ended up on the pitch um, t- attending to the, the people who, who were obviously in a really bad way. And he said that he was giving the kiss of life to, to one of the girls. And I can only imagine you know, there's only so many people who are at that game and it was talked about who died. And um, he had to leave her in the end because he couldn't help her. You know, she'd gone. Um, and when you hear stories like that and you, you're involved in that, I was really fortunate that I never actually knew anybody who died, but it didn't matter. You just felt so much pain. And I think for me, I didn't get too much to the resistance stage. You know, there was that kind of, this should never have happened. And I've always, always hated the lies and the cover-up. And I always knew that it, that it was lies and cover-up because if you were there, you just knew. Um, you know, it was, it was a real frustration. But as an individual, I just felt that I needed to get past it. Um, and when I say get past it, it's not something that ever leaves you. It doesn't leave you that experience. But I needed to get past it and put it in a positive frame of light. And there was a positive frame of life for me. I was alive, you know. And I think if you if you do have some kind of an appreciation for for being alive, that you know that that was it for me. So um, so yeah, I can't say that you know there's things in life where you know you you do get angry at times over different things, but that for me is just well, <laughs> why do you? Because do you know what? You could not be here in the first place. I mean, it's difficult to say you've come through something because I'm sure the memories are, are still there. But when I think of you, you know, I think of someone who lives and enjoys the moment uh, they're in more than almost anybody I know, in fact, um, you know, right. from the time yeah. that we've, we've worked together. I mean, is that how you feel, you know, on a daily basis? I know we all have good days and bad days, but in terms of confidence and, you know, having the confidence yeah. to prosper, I mean, how do you actually keep yourself resolutely in the present when you may be having a bit of a pig of a day? Yeah, when the past, yeah, I, maybe future worries come knocking at the door. Yeah, I, I, do you know what? I, I, I find it quite easy, really. And I'm, there's a couple of things for me. So firstly, you know, if we do past, present, future, the past for me, you can spend a lot of time just dwelling on the past if that's what you want to do. And, and your mind will, it, it can endlessly chatter if you let it. 
Um, my viewpoint is that you organize your past. So I do know year on year. And the, the, the way I probably best explain this is a little bit like having a cupboard. And if you put your clothes in the cupboard and you put them in a mess, then when you wake up the next morning, you're going to be worried about what you're going to wear because you're going to be worried that you can't find the clothes that you want to wear. Um, so with the past, I just have it really well organized in my mind. And sometimes occasionally I might do the exercise of writing down on paper and I know year on year what I've done, you know, the experiences I've had, how I've felt. Um, I know that, so I know that my past is organized and, it, and it's because of that, I don't need to worry about it. And I know what I've learned from the past and that's, that's the key thing about the past. Have you had to train learned. yourself to do that? I mean, have you, has that been a conscious approach or is it um, just the way you I, are? I do, I do think that I do have a mind that, that works that way. Um, but I do think at the same time, we can become forgetful. So it's a good exercise. You know, there's times where I think, no, I need to go back and just make sure I've got me past in the right drawers in the right, the right places. Um, and by doing that, then I don't have to worry about the past. You know, it, it's dealt with. The biggest thing with the past is what have you learned from it and how are you applying those lessons into, the, into your life? Then when I jump to the future, the future for me is I'm a creator type. So it's about the vision of the future, where I want to get to. I'm the type who has the vision board. I'm, but I have, a, I have a, a saying that goes, create your own future and then step into it. And that's all part of that process. So I look forward to the future. I've organized the past. I look forward to the future. But I know that what makes the difference is what I do in the here and now. And that helps me then just focus on the presence. And the present for me is, you know, I, I wake up Monday morning, or any morning, just think, what is it that I need to focus on today? You know, what is it that my day entails? I'll have a list of um, what I want to do, how I want to be. Um, and I'll focus on that for the week, you know, the month. Um, but but the, pre the, the present moment is because I know what I'm doing, because I know what I'm doing. There's that kind of appreciation for everything else that's going on. Now, I've got two quick stories that, you know, go, I'll go back go to. Yeah. I, 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 went, I went the match with my dad. And for, you know, a, a long time, sadly, before he passed away, um, and we were both at Hillsborough together, but he taught me two fundamental things when I was young. And uh, one of them was, when you go to the match, he said, the first thing is, is that we support good football. And if you play football and you understand football, you have an appreciation of what good football looks like. He said, and secondly, we then support our team. And what that means is that when you go to the match, is that in that moment, is that if you can appreciate how good even the opposition team are playing. And if they score a goal, you can clap. You know, you don't, you're not going to cheer. You're not going to start singing the name. But at least that you can show appreciation for the fact that they play good football. And that was one of the things that he taught me to understand what good football is. And I think when you apply that to life, you go, well, if you don't think yourself straight away, you think about what good life looks like and appreciation in that present moment and enjoy that present moment. And then that in itself is a way of grounding yourself. And the other thing he taught me when it comes to, to the game was that when you get beat, is that it's just a result. It's just a game. You might need to process it, and it might take longer for some games rather than others, but at some point, just forget about it. Because you know what? There's far more important things, and don't we just know it, right? And he had this say, he used to say to me at times, he used to say to me, you know, if you think about things, Paul, is it really that important on the scale of things? And I'd go, no, not really, Dad. And for me, that... Those, those two little stories are kind of appreciation for the fact that sometimes we dramatise things, sometimes we dramatise things that means that we're taken away from this present moment and we shouldn't be. And, you know, I'm, I'm not about to start preaching in Zen-like, but there are those Zen-like moments that you can find yourself in just by looking around. You know, there's that Ferris Bueller that is saying, he says, if you don't once in a while, you know, stop and take a look around, you might miss everything. 
And that for me is that you've just got to be able to appreciate the moment that you're actually in. So I, I hope that kind of makes sense. Is that easier to say because you're a because you're a Liverpool fan? I mean, I'm a Watford fan, and I, and I, <laughs> and, and I, suffer, I, I suffer more disappointment than most. Is it easier to uh, to say um, that when you're with you, you know, I, I will I will say that although very unfortunate to be a Hillsborough, I've had many fortunate experiences from traveling around Europe with Liverpool to you know I was obviously winning numerous trophies from time to time. But as a supporter, we both have our ups and our downs based on our expectations. And I think, you know, there's, there's times through the early 90s, Liverpool went doing great and I've been a season ticket holder and never stopped going. I think as a supporter, you've got to see past that it's just the football you're going for. You know, for me, it's a family situation. It's the people that you're with. Um, it's the enjoyments of the day and what, what you do on the day. Um, it's, it's not just the football, but obviously you want to win. You want to support your team. You want to win. And it might be easier for some than others, um, you know, as you say, maybe. Um, but but I do think the lessons that you take, either from you know just what I've been talking about, or just in life, we, we can appreciate the present moments if we want to. Now, a positive mindset, which you seem to have in abundance, I, I would say, um, isn't necessarily the same thing as confidence, because you know you could be positive about something. Um, but it doesn't necessarily, but if you're in an area of discomfort, you're slightly outside your comfort zone, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're going to be confident when performing a task and so on. I happen to know that you're a very good speaker, for example. Yeah. Um, but has that always been something you've felt confident about? And also, because you're you have a positive mindset, does it kind of shorten the gap between positive mindset and being confident in executing a, a skill? Yeah, I think, I think it does in, in some respects. I mean, the, the thing that I'll say is that, and, and some people don't believe when I say, I'm, I'm very much an introvert by nature. I like my own space. I like my own time. I like to design and think creatively. What does that mean? The, to be a speaker, it's kind of been learned behavior. It, it's not something that you go, you know, I'm going to put you on a stage and, you know, re- really enjoy that. I've, I've, it's been learned over the years by the nature of the jobs that I've been doing. I can stand on a stage and speak, but what it does mean is although... I can be positive about it and, and be, you know, I, I know I can do this well. I will still have the same nerves as anybody else. You know, there's that, what seems like before I speak, a lack of confidence sometimes if you look at me. And then when I get on stage, you know, once you get on stage and you start speaking and then it just happens and you go, if you can have some kind of inner confidence, but also that, that positivity that once you get past that stage, everything will fall into place. Then And you know what? I look at it and go, do you know what it takes most of the time? It's preparation. It takes a lot of preparation. So I don't turn up and go, I'm just going to talk today. I will have well thought through what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it. And if I'm on stage, that, that will be a well thought through talk. But don't mm. get me wrong, you get questions. And those questions are be aimed at the talk that you've delivered. So if you know your subject, you're going to be able to answer those questions. Um, but I, I do think, yeah, it does help. You know, I do think it does close the gap if you've got, uh, you know, that that level of positivity about what you do. But I do understand that we can't all be positive about everything. For people who haven't been anything through anything quite as extreme as that, um, I mean, are the lessons still the same? I mean, I've got a great example for you, right? Because I was, I was thinking about this the other day, you know, I was driving along the road and I got to the roundabout and I looked at the roundabout and, and everything around it and I went, so... Isn't, isn't that kind of quite pretty, right? Now, for somebody else who drove up to that roundabout, they might have looked at it and gone, the grass needs cutting, the weeds need pulling, the sign's not straight. 
And I think if you look at things with the eyes of what, what are quite critical, if you look at life quite critical, then unfortunately you're going to see the negative all of the time. And if you see things with eyes of appreciation, you're going to see things more positively. So the thing that I would say is think about the way that you look at things and see if you can move more to a way of looking at things from an, a, a view of appreciation. And I, and I think that then takes you to appreciation for the present moments as well. Because if we are looking at things critically, we're automatically going into this voice at the back of the head that goes, we need to correct that. We need to change that. We need to do something different. And I'm not saying from time to time that we need to have a critical view. We do. If we're looking to improve something in work, if we're looking to shape something, we might have a vision and then we might need to at some point criticize what that vision is to be able to build on it, make it better. I guess at the end of the day, in your everyday life, though, if you look at things critically all of the time, you're looking for the negative. So it's being able to switch slowly to more of a view of appreciation. Yeah. And, and, and you know, if you think of a simple example of something where maybe things aren't going so well, like you walk down onto the platform of the train station, the train's 15 minutes late or something, and you can think you can sit there and fume, or you can actually think, well, now I've got 15 minutes you know, to do something with. And if you don't, maybe maybe you have your phone, maybe you don't have your phone. Most people resort to their phone, but if they don't, then I've actually found some of the most, I've had some of my good ideas, but I've actually had time to actually just stop. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's the, I don't know if you've read the book by Viktor Frankl and Sir Tremaine and, and, you know, Viktor Frankl was a Jew in the Nazi concentration camps. And what he did say, which was really profound, was that they might be able to torture and hurt my body, but they can't hurt me, Viktor Frankl. And you go, you know, the whole point that he was making is that you can choose your response in any given situation. And you think it's quite easy to get upset over the smallest of things. You know, I'm not saying that I'm, I'm perfect. I do do it from time to time. I'm only human. Um, but it's being able to quickly anchor yourself back into, well, actually, do you know what? I've, I've missed the train. What can I do right now? Because I can't change it. I can't change that fact that I've missed the train. So it's how quickly you can adjust your mindset. And we're all human at the end of the day. You, you know, none, none of us is born perfect. Um, and the wife keeps telling me that. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we can try. Yeah. I mean, now, how do you apply all of this uh, in your work with leadership innovators? You know, um, excellent business that you've, uh, you've started and you're growing. And how do actually, how do leaders actually enjoy living in the moment when there are so many pressures on them how do you how do you apply it and, and help leaders yeah, along? so, so uh, two, two things there firstly from my perspective applying it to, to the business is you know having a vision once again of, of where you want to go to which what i said before create create that vision and then you know begin to step into it and do the part is you know applying the present moment is, is i i have that plan that, that i work towards on a daily basis you know i, I love the the cobra kai series that's recently been on and you've got the mr miyagiisms and it's about, you know, if you focus, it gives you balance. And actually, focus for me is about having a very clear plan on what I need to achieve from a day-to-day -day basis and week-to-week -week basis to achieve the goals that I've set myself to um, achieve this year and beyond, if that makes sense. And then from, from a leader's perspective, I think, you know, I, I know from managing people and, and leading is that you become busy and you become focused and you can't see the wood for the trees. You know, the biggest thing is, is that you've got people that you're managing, especially if you think about what's happened in the last couple of years, you know, the exponential change that we've all gone through, I'd say it's never been kinder. It's never been more important to be kinder, not just to other people, but to ourselves as well. And I think that we put ourselves under an immense amount of pressure to achieve goals, to achieve tasks. And 
can get lost in it sometimes. So the advice for leaders would be take, take a step back, think about, you know, I'm using the word appreciation, think about how you can be a little bit kinder to the people that you're managing, the people that you're leading, but more importantly to yourself as well is the, that, that level of kindness. And part of that level of kindness is sometimes take a step back and think about what it is that you really want. What's the meaning and purpose that you've got for, for being a leader in the first place? And are you on that right trajectory? Because if you've got busy being busy and you're not making a difference, then you need to change course. And just that slight change in course can have profound effects in other people's lives with you being a leader or your own. It's a really important point, actually, uh, is that it's quite possible to, um, you know, to be in the present, as you were saying. But unless you've got that view of where you want to be, you know, in terms of you've got a clear idea, that actually makes it more difficult to live in the present because you're, you're mired in this worry about the uncertainty of the future or regrets of the past. And uh, so, so you kind of need that, that, that sort of vision, if you like. And then, and I guess the thinking in the present is the kind of the execution of that in terms of, of having the confidence to go forward and do that. Definitely, definitely. I think, you know, sometimes you keep just doing the same old things over and over again. You know, it's that kind of, uh, you know, saying, isn't it? If you keep doing the same things over again, it's like a, and a, you know, expecting to see different results. It's like a form of insanity. You know, so you go, well, if you really want to make sure that you're doing the right things is, make sure you've got the right goals in the first place and then make sure you're heading in the right direction. But sometimes we don't actually stop to check that we are moving in the right direction. Mm. There's just, just one other small thing there as well that I massively believe in. And, it, you know, we, we talked back just after the pandemic and lockdown started. And one of the things that we talked about was, was not to freeze and, to, you know, to, to um, maybe act fast and, and start to do some things differently, um, which, which is what we did at the time. You go, well, sometimes just continually moving forwards and continually doing the things that really matter towards the goal that you set. Eventually, although it might be small actions, they eventually add up to real big actions and they will get you big results. It just might take time. Brilliant. Paul, um, how can anyone get in contact with you if they want to sort of ask you about anything they've heard on this uh, on this podcast? Yeah, sure. Well, first things first, phone number is 0717. 725447. Okay. Or you can find me on my website, which is www.paulcorkinternational.com. Well, that was an incredible interview. Remember how Hillsborough so dramatically shaped Paul's life and how he has channeled something so dark and potentially negative into something so positive. We all talk about living in the moment, but Paul is the real deal in terms of putting it into practice. If you have any questions about this podcast or want to find out about our business, you can do so by finding me, Trevor Meriden, on LinkedIn or email me on trevor.meriden at meribormedia.co.uk. The Meriden is spelled M-E-R-R-I-D-E-N. And please do share this podcast with someone who you think may be interested. It's available on Spotify, iTunes and many other podcast providers besides. Well, that's about all the time we've got. I hope you enjoyed listening and see you soon.